This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Silver and Black Pride cast post-Dolphins game. Post Raiders loss. I'm Levi Damian. I'm here with Tyler Smith, better known as Raider Domus. And uh, we're going to talk about the game. So uh, I guess since the Raiders lost again um, late, we're going to, we're just basically going to kind of focus mostly on why they lost. The, the key points of the game that I think kind of uh, did the Raiders in this week. Um, I guess I will. I guess I'll start. Um, I, I would say a key point for me was their goal line offense. They got into uh, they got in the red zone several times, including it right to the goal line uh, a couple of times, and and were unable to come away with touchdowns. Or in one in one of those cases, they came down with came out with nothing. So they so they drove down um, in the red zone and scored a touchdown on the on the first drive, which is great. This kind of they've done that all year. They've done that. With, each of their first uh, three drives in these games. But then the second drive, they, they managed to get down on the two-yard line and then <clears throat> and couldn't punch it in. Um, they, I think they just tried to get a little bit too cute. You know, they tried yeah, – Gruden thought, well, you know, handing it to Marshawn Lynch, that's just what they would expect us to do. So I'm going to hand it to the up man, the uh, fullback, and, and see if he can get in without, without a lead blocker. And, uh, and it, just, it just didn't work out. It's a second time in two games that they've they've gone to Keith Smith on fourth and one, and um, the attempt failed. Uh, the last week, last week it was the drop uh, that could have put the game away had they gotten that first down. And this week it was fourth and goal at the one, and he was stopped. And there was a turnover on downs. They didn't get anything out of that drive. So um, and then later on, when they got back to the back to the goal line, they uh, they almost blew it again they they passed the ball on first and second down and you know to unsuccessfully and and then finally on third and one gave it to Marshawn who dove over the line in for a touchdown it's like hey you know it works what do you know yeah you'd think they would have started with that <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's sometimes you know you just got to go with what works you know you you have your bread and butter and you need to you need to use it. You don't try to, because even sometimes when they're expecting it. If you remember back when, uh, back when the Raiders were successful in their in their Super Bowl season, they used to say all the time, they know they knew it was coming. They know it's coming, and they still can't stop it. I remember Roland Williams would just. Uh, I remember him saying that several times. It's just like um, sometimes it doesn't matter if they know what's coming. And and Tyler, you would. Uh, I know you touched on this before that that um, on that same play, that goal line play. It looked like they were going to pitch it to Marshawn, or or they tried to make it seem. Let's let's not say that it looked like they were going to. It looks like that's what they were trying to do is the misdirection play. But the problem with that is, um, 
the only it's not going to be the interior defensive linemen that are going to bite on that fake pitch. It's going to be the defensive end and the and perhaps if there are any defensive backs out there and linebackers and with them running up the gut, I mean the defensive um, the interior defensive tackle is just going to do the same thing that they would have done otherwise. And had they pitched it to Marshawn, that would have been a better play than the one that they ran because that, from the looks of it, he would have had probably a one-on-one situation. And as we know, uh, Marshawn Lynch, if he meets somebody one-on-one and he needs one yard, he's getting that one yard. So that was just just a bad situation all around. And, uh, yeah, I think pitching or faking the ball to Keith Smith and pitching it to Marshawn on a sweep to the right side would have almost certainly gotten the touchdown, no matter who was there, because it would have only been one person. There wasn't a whole lot of people out there on the right side. So I think that that definitely would have worked. Um, but, you know, you put things like that in the playbook. People study the film. Maybe you're going to pitch it. Maybe you're not. You put doubt in the minds of people down the road. Uh, but in the moment, I think you have to go with, with beast mode. I don't think you can go to Keith Smith in that situation. The, the thing is, is that there's, there's really no way they could have faked the um, handoff to the fullback because it was just, it was a quick thing. It was so quick. They were thinking that they were going to catch him off guard. They were thinking that, that, the, that the defensive lineman would think that that ball wasn't going to Keith Smith. Uh, they would have been better off doing a read option situation in, in that in that moment. But you know that one aside. There later was uh, the situation where there were a couple of situations when they were in the red zone. There was a situation where where he scanned the field really quick and then he just threw the ball away and he and he could have either scrambled for it or something else. But then there was the time on first down when he threw it up for grabs going for Martavis Bryant and it was intercepted. Now um, Gruden today, you know, was asked about that. And he said that, um, that he, he thinks that Derek Carr needs to, is he just, he's, what did he say exactly? He said that he was too aggressive, something along those lines that, uh, that he's, he's just basically he's taking too many chances. He's trying to force it. Is what it is, and I think the problem is that he just that Derek Carr just kind of struggles with that. It's just like he doesn't really necessarily know the line between being aggressive and um, trying to force the ball into situations. But uh, I think that I mean, do you have anything? Did did I miss anything? You think on the goal line offense? No, I just think uh, they need to execute a little better in those short distance goal to go situations. And, you know, I think giving it to Marshawn more often would probably be a better idea. Maybe they know what's coming, but with the interior offensive line that we have, they may not be able to stop it. So I I just think they need to stick with what works instead of trying to get cute. Well, I got the, I, I, what he said was that he, he tries too hard and then he needs to learn more patience. I would agree with that. I guess that would, I think that would be like the, the times in which he quickly scans the field, doesn't see anything and throws it away would be a time that, you know, he, uh, he doesn't show patience and then, and that, and then throwing the ball for Martavis in a 50, 50 jump ball on first down would be an example of trying too hard. You gotta, you gotta figure, you know, I gotta, I live to fight it another couple downs. I'm in scoring position. And that goes back to that, that running up the middle with Keith Smith on fourth and one, um, the play all besides the point. They should have gone for the points. You're in the you're in the first quarter. You're up seven to nothing. 
go up 10 to nothing. Don't you, uh, in games like this where they, where they need all the points they can get, they need it. They need, they can't be giving up scoring drives like that. You need to go for the points in my opinion. Anyway. Yeah, I agree. So, That's uh, not the time to make a statement. That's the time to go for easy points when you can get them. And what do you, uh, what, what do you think, uh, is a, is a, point of emphasis in the, in the game that uh, they lo- that causes them to lose. Well, I think the lack of lack of pass rush, I think, is a huge deal. And, I mean, we've seen that throughout the game, uh, but as the game goes along, it gets worse and worse. I mean, the, the Raiders were kind of putting a little pressure on Ryan Tannehill in the beginning of the Miami game. But by the end of it, they were completely gassed. Uh, you know, out there in those black jerseys in the hot and humid Miami weather, at the end of the game, they're just not putting any pressure on Tannehill whatsoever. Now, Tannehill has a tendency to be erratic, but if you're not putting any pressure on the guy, I mean, he's a first-round draft pick. He's an NFL quarterback. If you don't put pressure on him, he will find somebody to throw to. Uh, you can only ask the secondary to do so much if the pass rush isn't getting there. And, and I mean, that's a, that's a situation you've seen up and down throughout the entire season is the Raiders just can't get to the quarterback. Now, the Raiders have issues closing out games. I mean, I saw a stat today, and you saw the stat today as well. The Raiders have not trailed in at, for a single snap from the first through third quarter of any game this year. Uh, but they've lost all three of their games in the fourth quarter by blowing leads. Now, how do you close out games in the, in the fourth quarter in the second half? You close them out on defense with a pass rush getting to the quarterback. That's one of the Rays, ways the Raiders have done it for the last several years, you know, with Khalil Mack on the team. And Mack's doing that currently for the Bears. And we just don't, or the Raiders just don't have anybody right now who can get to the quarterback consistently. I mean, Arden Key's a good player. He's getting there. He's getting better every week, but he's not at that level yet where you can consistently say he's going to get there. He's going to get to the quarterback in the fourth quarter. He's going to get in Ryan Tannehill's face, you know, make make him go through the reads but not be able to get to his third, fourth, fifth read. You know, if, if there's somebody in his face, he's not going to be able to make more than two reads and he might have to get rid of the ball. You know, there's nobody on the team who can get to the get to the get to the quarterback consistently. Uh, and I think that's seriously hamstringing the Raiders in the fourth quarter and it's one of the reasons that the defense is out there longer. Uh, it's it's one of the defense the reason the defense is tiring out and and by the end of the game they're just gassed and they can't keep up with the opposing offense. And that's why they're blowing all these late leads. They're just they're just exhausted. So, I, I mean, I think that's a huge reason that the Raiders lost on Sunday, and I think that's a huge reason that they're 1-3 right now. I, just, I could springboard off of that, that uh, when you're talking about um, things like you know, pass rush, kind of like one thing leads to, a, to another. You get good pass rush, and not only do you, A, you, force, you simply force a fumble or something. Like, say you get a strip sack or whatever, that, that's a turnover right there. But, but it also, you, know, you, you pressure the quarterback into making bad decisions, and then they throw, they throw interceptions. So right now we're looking at, uh, we're looking at only, one, only one turnover this season. They've uh, they've forced a, not one other fumble, but they uh, they didn't recover it. So they've only forced one takeaway this season, and that was last week in in, in Denver. And that's that's not going to get it done. You're going to need to you need more you need more turnovers if you're gonna if, you, if you're gonna win games. And I would actually even like on that same note, I guess a good segue would be to the you turn back to you turn back to the offense again. And you look at, you know, you're talking about turnovers. Well, you're also talking about turnover differential. And that's, uh, you look at the turnover differential and you can almost always draw an absolute conclusion just 
who has the worst turnover differential and who has the worst record in any NFL. It's almost like a one one plus one equals two situation. Right now, the Raiders are tied for the worst turnover differential in the NFL at negative four. They have that one interception, and Derek Carr has thrown five interception. And so the defense has a hand in a lot of this, but the offense also has a hand because what you you're scoring like 19, 20 points and stuff like that. That's not that's not going to really get it done consistently. You're going to need to put up points. You're going to need to put the defense on their heels. I mean, sorry, you're going to need to put the the opposing you put the opposing offense on the field in desperation situations. They they haven't had a situation this year where even though they've had the lead into the second half where the offense gets on the field saying we absolutely have to score right now if we're going to if we're going to win this game. I mean, granted, at the end of the Broncos game, they needed to get into into a field goal range to to win it. But they they certainly weren't thinking, and they needed to get that ball down and and get it in the end zone. So if you're not forcing the other team into desperation situations, you're limiting the ability for your defense to come up with turnovers. Because a lot of turnovers happen in those situations when they're like when they have to take a chance and they have to try to force the ball into a smaller window or or whatnot or make that deep throw when they probably wouldn't otherwise. And so you're just not going to get the turnovers that you're looking for. And that differential is going to be yeah, what it is. And, and you're going to end up 0-3. You're you right go. about that. And the team that actually has the best turnover differential in the NFL right now is the team that we play next week, the Cleveland Browns. And their defense has been t- causing turnovers left and right. Uh, that hasn't necessarily translated into a whole lot of success this year, even though they're 1-1-1. One, one, um, but they're sure as heck better than they have been the last couple of years. They've been getting in the backfield. Their secondary has been picking everything off left and right. They look really competent, and the turnover differential is a big part of that. They've been giving their offense real good field position, and they've been putting a lot of pressure on opposing offenses. The Saints did not look right when they played the Browns' defense, and the Saints almost always look right. They put up a billion yards and a billion points yesterday against the Falcons. Uh, and the, the Browns cause a lot of people to make mistakes, and turnover differential is one of the main ways that they do that. Yeah, the turn uh part of the turnover differential is always the is not just taking the ball away but not right. turning it over. And Cle- Cleveland the reason why they're not they don't have a better record is because while I mean they have a lot of takeaways. They've they have 11 takeaways total, which is by far the most in the NFL right now. Um and they and they only have two they only given the ball away two times. And that sounds really great, but when you're cons- when you look at what Tyrod Taylor was doing for Baker Mayfield game, um, he was just being too conservative. He wasn't he wasn't pushing the ball down the field. Baker Mayfield comes in and just like uh, awakens that offense, and that's kind of what it needed. He's so he great. He's taking care of the ball, but he wasn't doing really anything else with it. So that's kind of you know it's, it, you you can uh, the turnover differential is pretty um, usually can be a pretty good indicator, but there are always other little factors here and there. So let me see. Um, I would say you said you mentioned the pass rush. Um, you got I and then I talked about the offense, but uh, you got any other uh, any other points that you? Well, I think just basically the second half execution of the team. I mean, it's it's just night and day from the first half to the second half. And the Raiders in the first half have been pretty darn good. They've looked like a team that is capable of making the playoffs. And the second half of games, they don't look like a team capable of doing much except going. 4-12 and 12 and competing for the first pick in the draft. 
I mean, I, I can't tell you, I can't point to one particular thing that they're doing that's making them completely fall apart in the second half of games. I mean, beside the fact that they can't get to the quarterback in the, in the fourth quarter, but it's the offense that's really not executing. I mean, you can only expect so much of their defense when they're out there constantly, but the offense is failing over and over and over again, committing turnovers in the second half of games. Derek Carr throwing interceptions in the end zone, you know, drives that are promising, just ending in complete failure. Uh, the other teams that we're playing are making adjustments and, the, you know, to go into the second half and the Raiders simply aren't, uh, you know, I, and I, I, is it coaching? Is it adjustments? Is it John Gruden being stubborn? I mean, I really don't know what to point to here. Uh, I just know that if the Raiders played like the first half Raiders for the second half as well, they'd be three and zero right now. I mean, they, they have led until the fourth quarter every single game that they've played, and they've blown it in the fourth quarter every single time. So, I mean, there's... Well, that, that's... Technically, they haven't, they haven't trailed. They've, they've been tied in well, yeah, the third you, quarter. Th- that's that's so what they I mean. They, they haven't been behind through the end of the third quarter in any game so far, and then they've lost it at the end. And I, I don't have an explanation for that, you know, other than coaching style. I mean, I, could, I couldn't even say. But that that's definitely something that needs to needs to well, change if they're gonna win any games this year. Yeah, they I would say I would even break it down even farther. I would say it's it's not even necessarily a a first half, second half thing. I would say it's a first quarter, fourth quarter thing. Because as as I mentioned earlier, they've scored on their opening drive in every game. And and if you in last week, they Get, they got right back on their second drive. They got right back down to the goal line. And that's because those, that first drive and sometimes the second drive as well are scripted. And so things are kind of clicking along there. They know the next players play is going to go. The players go in and out and everything's running smoothly on the scripted plays. But then when you go off script, that's when everything kind of goes off the rails. So that's where it starts to go is getting off the script. And then. Then, as you mentioned, there's this second half adjustment thing. The other team, um, the Raiders are saying, we're doing this. This is how we're going, doing our offense today. This is who's, this is who's getting the ball, which is another little strange thing, I think. I think the fact that, it, that it's clear in each game that they're focusing on this game, we're, we're throwing, getting the ball to Jared Cook. This game, we're getting the ball to Mari Cooper. This game, we're getting the ball to Jordy Nelson. It just seems strange. It seems like it should be more of a situational thing. And I, I think the, what happens is the, the, the other team catches on to what the Raiders are trying to do. And by the time they, you know, they, they can regroup at, at, at halftime and come back out on the field. They're like, okay, we know what the Raiders are trying to do today. We know how to, we know how to go against it. And the Raiders are just saying, seemingly, uh, we're just going to keep doing what we think works best for us, regardless of who we're facing or what they might be doing. And, and the reason I, and you know, I mentioned the first quarter, but then the fourth quarter, they, the fourth quarter they, is when they 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 they're uh, they're losing their lead, obviously. But it's it's when they it's when they wear down, and I think I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're the oldest team in the league. And you get these 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 older players, and they're just not able to to play a full game. I mean, you have uh, Reggie Nelson out there who was uh, there was a touchdown touchdown pass late where he was basically just a spectator on it. You got uh, Derek Johnson who actually didn't get nearly as many snaps this week as he had before. Markel Lee had more snaps than him. And and it, it may not always be humid like it was in Miami, but in Denver you had the thin air situation. 
I think I think against the Rams, they're just a really good team. I mean, they were, they were just they they were like, oh, we know how we're going to keep the Raiders from from scoring. And I also find it interesting that statistic you mentioned that the Raiders haven't trailed um, haven't trailed until the fourth quarter in each game, each game. But if you look, if you actually really watch what happens in that third quarter, um, for the most part, the the collapse starts then that that you see that the offense isn't quite doing what it was before that that the other team is coming up and basically that the only reason that the Raiders don't have aren't trailing until the fourth quarter is because they come into the third quarter with a lead already and it just takes a quarter for the other team to catch up and and pass them up and and so it's it, yeah, it's, it's the adjustments. It's the age thing. It's it's a lack of adjustments on the, on the Raiders' part. It's the fact that they're they're great scripted, and then they're not so great when they get off script and have to do a little improvisation. And the pressure, I think, the pressure is a big is a big big deal too. I think there's some some kind of wilting under pressure. Uh, that's uh all right. So you know, I think the last thing the last thing um for me, and you can if you have another one after this, that's uh. That's good too, but I, the last thing that I think would uh, I would say is I just I'm just not sure this team is quite as talented as as they might think that they are, or other or others might think they are. You think, okay, they have this they have this great offense, right? So they they have Amari Cooper and Jordy Nelson at receiver. Well, Amari Cooper is wildly inconsistent. He had 116 yards last week, but over the other two games, he is like four catches for 24 yards. And and then you, your number one receiver is not supposed to disappear in games like that. You're not supposed to like like oh there he is, and then you know he's gone the next week or or like what? And you're not supposed to be asking where was this that last week? You're just not supposed to have those um, those questions about your number one receiver. He's supposed to basically be the the threat on the field all the time. And as we, and if you watch Amari Cooper throughout his career, the one area that he's always just kind of been missing is that he's just lacks aggression. He lacks that, that fight, that killer instinct to, to fight for his position. I've always said that uh, if he just had a little bit of Steve Smith in him, he could go so he could go a long way on that. So, and then you go to the other side with Jordy Nelson, who of course he had a really big um, game, Sunday, but in both cases, when he caught the ball, I mean, he caught it on the move short and, and he was instantly had at least five yards, sometimes even more five yard separation between him and the near and the nearest trailing defender. And in both cases, they closed the gap and caught him from behind. Now I know Jordy is not, you know, he's not known as a burner, but in a, in a situation like that, when each time you had, you had this big gap and, and each time you get caught from behind, that's, that's that's not going to win a lot of games. They were able to get the touchdown eventually on that first drive, but then they got stopped at the at the goal line on the second one. And so you and like, and then you go, your third receiver, Smartavis Bryant. You think, well, he's supposed to like you add him to the mix, and they have they kind of look like they could have one of the better top three receiving trios in the in the uh, in, a, in the NFL. But then you put him, you see what he does, he did in the game, and what does he specialize in? He specializes in the deep ball and stretching the field and getting behind the, the corner and, and just being that deep threat. 
each and each and every down. And his longest catch happened last week. I mean, sorry, it happened yesterday for 19 yards. He doesn't even have a single 20 yard catch. And in, in, in the two weeks that he's been here, and he's supposed to be the guy that takes the top off the defense. So um, that's not to say he's, he's not talented. He's not versatile. We know that, but maybe he's just being misused. Yeah, I, I definitely think they're not playing to his strength. Then, his strength, as you said, is taking the top off the defense and, and just running basically a go route or a post route, you know, getting deep, going as, as basically as far as he can, as fast as he can get there. And I'm catching the ball on a line and just, just running. You know, if he caught the ball that Jordy Nelson caught yesterday, he would not have been caught from behind. If Amari Cooper had caught the ball yesterday oh, that Jordy that Nelson had caught yesterday, he would not have been caught behind either. Uh, but Jordy Nelson did and was caught from behind. So it's just, I think it's just a matter of using people for what's what they're good at, playing to people's strengths. And right now, I just don't see this offense doing that as well as they could. So you think it's just a matter of not, uh, not I mean, I think it's uh, not properly utilizing Martavis Bryant's strengths, but I mean, I, I just, I'm not sure that the, uh, that you see the, I'm not sure that you see enough from um, Coopin and Jordy to to say that these guys are are the are our top duo starting. No, I mean I look at Amari Cooper and right he's now. ostensibly the number one receiver on on the Raiders team, but his numbers don't suggest that at all. I mean, if you look at somebody like Julio Jones, it, when he's healthy, Julio will pretty much bottom out at nine catches on 150 yards. Somebody like AJ Green will bottom out at seven catches, 120 yards. That's the sort of performance we need on a week-to-week basis from Amari Cooper, and we're just not getting it for whatever reason. Well, like I said, I think it's because um, he just doesn't lack – I mean, he doesn't. it's because he just doesn't have quite that that edge to him that I think you need to be uh, – you need to be great as a receiver. As we Classically, you know that receivers are quite confident, and he's not – he's – just doesn't have that way about him. He's very quiet. He's we've seen him. I get it. Was it Pac-Man Jones a few years ago when he got his head smacked against the helmet and he didn't even retaliate? It's just like, where are you, man? You, you need to, uh, and you just keep hoping it, that that he can improve that part of his game. But at this point, I'm just not no, sure I it's mean, something I, you can learn. Either you have yeah, it or you don't. I watched and, Cooper and, from and the time he was a freshman at the University of Alabama. Now, the, the difference between the Raiders and Alabama is that the Raiders, when they go back up against a defense, they have a secondary who isn't stacking the box necessarily with with nine or ten guys. And Alabama would. They would go up against teams who, because Alabama's running game was so good, they just simply wouldn't be able to double cover Cooper or put a you know two deep safeties back there. And Cooper would just gash people. He would run. He would do a post route. Uh, you know, go toward the middle of the field, and it would he would be completely open with nobody within 20 yards of him. And he would catch the ball, and he would run nonchalantly into the end zone, whole hum. He was the same kind of, you know, ice in his veins, cool as a cucumber guy then as he is right now. And the difference is now it's a lot harder. Uh, and he's he just doesn't have the fire that you want to see from a guy with that will to win. I mean, I think Cooper is immensely talented, one of the most talented receivers in the National Football League. But you just want to see more, more competitiveness out of a guy. More of a give me the ball, damn it! You know that's the attitude I want to see out of him. Yeah, well, that's that, that's exactly it. The uh, and there are some that say that he should be worked in the slot, and I certainly think his skill set screams that he's a slot receiver. But but 
really slot receivers are, are have to have to be those types of guys that say that ball is mine and I'm taking it and that's it. It just seems to me you, you got to be able to body up the defenders and, and, uh, and make sure that that ball is either yours or no one's. So, I mean, I just basically working through the, the offense. I mean, you want to talk about inconsistency, you know, Derek Carr, it starts with him. He's, he's been inconsistent as well. I mean, we saw, uh, in the in week two, he had the, that gaudy stat, stat line of only three incompletions on, uh, on 32 passes. And then this week, he just falls back to what he was in week one, just being careless with the ball and and kind of seemed to just didn't seem to – he'd been hit a couple times. He didn't seem to be comfortable in the pocket anymore. And and it's just the inconsistency of it all. You want you're, you're one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league. You're supposed to be the franchise quarterback, top 10, the guy that, that Gruden said he came back to coaching to coach as his quarterback and perfect guy for his offense. And you, and you just have, uh, you have, you know, these inconsistencies and stuff like that. So then well, I just wanted to, to, move to, on to pose a question to you. Do you, you think it's a matter of being in another uh, new system this year and just getting used to the John Gruden playbook? Do you think that's something that will improve over time with John Gruden as head coach? I said, I ser- I've certainly said that from the beginning. I, I from the very beginning, I've said you know you know people getting really excited about the possibilities of of Derek Carr's uh, what he could do in John Gruden's offense, and I've said pump the brakes on that. Not that he can't. I'm saying that it's probably going to take a while. It's going to take a season at least for him to really find his find his rhythm in the in the offense. And I, it was, it's funny because during the off season he looks so good in practice. Uh, in it, I thought hmm maybe maybe he'll. Uh, acclimate to this a little quicker than I thought, but then you get to the game and, and it's just not quite there. And you realize it has nothing to do with whether he's really in tune with what's going on. Or, I mean, I want I don't want to say it has nothing to do with it because really knowing the playbook inside and out, really be having being second nature where you could do it in your sleep brings a lot of, uh, a level of confidence that can make up for some other, other areas. But right now it's really just a matter of uh, good decision-making in the moment. You know, like being in a pressure situation and making the right decision. And I, I always look back at what Gruden and Gannon did together, how they had that fiery relationship. And, and Gannon was just that grinder. He was the ultimate Gruden grinder, like push, like um, pushing the ball downfield, scrambling. We needed to scramble just just uh, John and being the, the unquestioned leader among the on the team. And and you haven't certainly you're not going to see that from these two that they function in a different way but uh you really want to see you really want to see something you want to see something that suggests that i mean those are like the major skill position players i mean jared cook i think he is his advertised i think he's i think he's a really great tight end i think he uh he'll continue to do good things in this offense but uh and the offensive line is the area is certainly the interior offensive line is where they you know say that they're one of the best in the league um, but you know, there's still a bit of a question mark on that too, because them switching to, you know, this downhill zone thing and then losing all this weight when they've been these big maulers being as heavy as they are. And you see some, you know, chinks in the armor, armor here and there, most notably that fourth down, uh, play to, to Keith Smith in which Hudson and, and Jackson both got kind of, they got, they got beat, they got beat, um, straight up by, uh, Gacho and, and that uh, Dolphins defensive line, and you just don't expect that. You're like, well, these guys are all pros, they're all pro bowlers, and they should they should win that battle on the inside. And they they don't win it nearly as much as you would think 
that they did or perhaps they did in the past. So, and then we're just, uh, and right now we're just kind of like delving into the offense because the offense is where they're supposed to have all the talent. You go to the other side of the ball and it's, there's not even hardly a conversation there. There's, there's very little, very little of anything. I mean, you could say that maybe the, there's some talent at the cornerback position here and there, uh, you know, like Conley has his moments and Sean Melvin certainly has his moments. And, um, and uh, Rogers Camardi's offered some things here and there, and uh, Leon Hall certainly has. But I mean, outside of that, where is the talent? There's, there's just, there's just none. Yeah, uh, I mean, I tend no to agree there. with that. I, I, there's not a whole lot of talent in the front seven, and that's that's something that's going to have to come in the next few drafts. I think that's where they're going to focus, and they, you know, they focused on that in this draft as well. Uh, but those guys are rookies, and you know, some of them are hurt. P.J. Hall has been injured. He's a guy who showed a lot in the preseason who I was really impressed mm. with. And frankly, I think he could really be helping this team right now if he weren't injured. Um, but I think edge rushing, someone who can come in there and, and you know, not replace Khalil Mack because nobody's going to do that. But you at least need somebody in there who's going to apply pressure to the quarterback because we simply just haven't gotten that yet. Uh, I think that's going to be a major area of focus in the offseason. Uh, but, you know, I agree with you. I think it's going to take a couple of years to for Derek Carr to acclimate to the John Gruden system within the confines of an actual game. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that there's any long-term problems with Derek Carr as far as, you know, any issues that he may have as far as yips in the pocket or any lack of confidence. I, I, I think he's a confident guy and he's going to figure it out. But quarterbacks have issues at any level when you go through different offensive coordinators and different offensive systems one after the other after the other i mean alex smith right now is considered one of the better quarterbacks in football but when he was with the 49ers for the first four years uh, i mean he's considered a winner Uh, he's somebody who can go and you can plug him in and you'll win games but for the first four years of his career in san francisco uh you know he had different offensive coordinators every single year and he really really struggled Uh, and it wasn't until he moved on went to the Chiefs with Andy Reid that he really came into his own. And, you know, I think Derek Carr is going to have to come into his own uh, in the next couple of years with, with John Gruden. I don't necessarily see it happening this year after what we've seen so far. I agree with there, obviously, because you basically uh, kind of, you know, magnified on the points that I had before. But uh, you had mentioned the front seven. I mean, you uh, the area we haven't – we didn't mention is the safeties. I mean, that's, a, that, that's another problem area. I think uh, – I think the last point there is that they might have, they might have some talent there. Carl Joseph might be able to bring some to the table, but he's not being played, and now he's hurt. And Eric Harris has shown a lot of flashes, and Gruden has talked well about him. And yet every game comes, and Eric Harris is is uh, taking a back seat to Reggie Nelson and Marcus Gilchrist. So it, it's it's just it's just weird. It, it's a little it's a little strange here, and you're not sure if the uh, if the talents again, you kind of go between. Well, sometimes it feels like they just don't simply don't have the talent. Sometimes it just feels like the talent's being misused in some way. But I certainly don't think that the Raiders are one play, like as uh, Marshawn Lynch said, they're not one play away from uh, being an explosive offense or even one of the better te- overall teams. They're, they're probably maybe a, maybe a half of football or or at least a quarter of football away from that being the fourth quarter away from being even a team that can put a win on the board. But the, and they, of course, next week have Baker Mayfield coming to town with the Browns, and that's going to be interesting. But we will cover that 
in our next podcast. For now, I think we've taken up enough time, rambled off enough, and uh, maybe we should uh, sign off for this episode uh, that of sounds like the a plan. Southern Black Pridecast. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully, um, you found this to be useful and maybe a little bit interesting, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.